Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And if it's your first time tuning in, Employee of the Month is a talk show all about careers and work. It's where we spend most of our time, so I wanted to hear from people who mainly enjoy what they do, which is why I was so excited to bring back Ms. Alex Borstein. We did our first interview, which you can listen to on the podcast if you go back. That was about the beginning of her career, and we spoke about coming from Mad TV and working on Family Guy. And it was so thrilling to have her at the live taping at Joe's Pub because, first of all, it's just exciting to hear what's going on in her career now, which is starring on HBO's Getting On. She also writes for Shameless. And um, I have found HBO's Getting On. It was really uncomfortable at first, too painful, too on the nose. It's all about the medical system and the egos involved with doctors and the carelessness. Because like, if you screw up at your job, and by you, I mean most of us, no one's life is at stake, and yet it happens all the time. But in a medical facility, having been on the uh, receiving end of it, it's terrifying. I found the show incredibly cathartic. It was so fun to have her on, though, I was saying, because she was like, New York is so fun. People have fun. And everyone always says New York is such a rat race, and it feels like one giant shopping mall. And by everyone, I just mean me. I think I should just refer to myself when I'm talking about myself. And I forget that it's so true. <laughs> and the live tapings are super fun. So I hope you can make it out December 5th for our next one. We also have videos online now, so you can check out snippets from the show. And um, that's it. I'm going to let you listen to my interview with Alex Borstein. You can check out HBO's Getting On as well as Family Guy. But here you get to hear her sing live, which is pretty freaking awesome. And my special thanks to the LI Unified School District, Chatsworth High School, I don't want to say what year the class was, but it was a while ago. All right, in five, four, three, two, and one. So even though all of the guests we've had so far live in New York, um, I am super excited um, for our next guest, in part because she um, is only here for two days, and she made, um, she made it here as part of that very short two-day trip. So I was really, really excited um, to have on, you may not recognize her, but you'll recognize her voice as Lois on Family Guy, or maybe you'll recognize her from HBO's Getting On, or from the Lizzie McGuire movie, or from Gilmore Girls, or um, from Good Night and Good Luck. Without further ado, let's please welcome Miss Alex Borstein. <laughs> Alex, I wanted to ask you if, um, hello, for preparation hello. and getting into Good Night and Good Luck, um, how did uh, being in, in Pippin help you? Oh, it was a tremendous help. Let's let's watch it to see how it. You Are you kidding me? I'm Fucking not kidding. Josh Diamond. This, is that where this is from? This is a high school performance. <laughs> Please follow along with me, all the help we can get. One, two, three, four! Oh, yeah. 
Chatsworth High School. Chatsworth. Her show producer back there, I went to high school with. Uh, did, uh, this is fucking crazy. There's actually several members from Pippin who are in the audience. Um, so if you guys could stand up, I'm not kidding. What? Um, <laughs> Shut up. Also, Eric Wallach, who Are you kidding Pippin? me? That's Eric Wallach back there. <laughs> Let's Only give them a hand. Let's shit. give the LI Unified School District alumni a hand. This is fucking <laughs> obscene. Wow. This isn't, I did not know she had that. This isn't a setup. I did not provide her with that clip. I'm thoroughly embarrassed. Wow. Pippin. But it was amazing to see how um, in control you were already then. I was in control? You were very bossy then, too, I felt. I was bossy. I was loud. It's just so embarrassing to realize you haven't changed since high school. Same tricks, same shtick, nothing new. You stole the show. You had a, a three-minute standing ovation, which my band made me cut from showing, but Pippin couldn't even start talking until you got off the stage. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> wow, that's just fucking humiliating. So we, we've talked a lot about UCB Upright Citizens Brigade, where um, some of us started, but I wanted to, to talk about how there were all these... Um, improv comedy scenes before then and, and you were part of one of them was it Improv Asylum or Acme I can't remember Acme Comedy Theater in okay. Los Angeles yeah it was kind of the you know I ended up doing Mad TV which was kind of like SNL Mad TV and then you know during in LA before it was Groundlings Acme we were kind of always trailing behind Groundlings but um I liked it. I liked that there wasn't a committee that voted you in or out of the groups. With, with Groundlings, I heard it was like political and you were voted in. There was a panel of other people deciding whether you got to be in the company or not. And, and that was just seemed kind of like, wait a minute. That's, if someone doesn't want you to do the same shtick they're doing, they're going to not vote you in. How does this work? How can it be fair? And so I liked Acme. It was one dude, his opinion. He decided who got in, who didn't. I often disagreed with him, but I just liked knowing that there was just this one decision maker, a director. And Isn't that called fascism? It is called fascism. <laughs> it is. I enjoy that. Um, I, I did want to ask about Family Guy, which you've been doing for so long. We have a, a picture with some of some of the things that um, Alex has worked on, and I did want to. So now that you've been doing Family Guy for so long, that's the one in this corner where you're Lois, the mom. Um, do you record that from home, like in pajamas, or do you have to go in? No, I go in, uh, but we don't. It's nice. Yeah, there's no makeup, there's no hair. You show up however you want to show up. But I do go into a studio to do it. Seth is very picky about the sound quality. So, um, you know, if you're traveling, if you're in New York, if I was in Seattle or New York or couldn't be there and they, it was down to the wire they would let you use another studio but he prefers you to go into the booth that's in Los Angeles and do it there isn't there one person who only works like once a month and he lives in like Connecticut but he gets to like fly out for that one day of work a month you're the fucking employee of the month expert you tell me yeah that's my is. job to know I don't know 
<laughs> One of your colleagues got No, you're like, talking about the guy who did that in a world. That guy, I think that was the guy who... Who got to do that? There's not someone on Family Guy who gets there's to do not. that? There's not. And okay. he's dead now, so now there's no one. Okay. Okay, that's... Everybody works hard for a living now. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Free ride died with that guy. Speaking of, of free rides, does the gagillions of dollars that Family Guy makes in merchandise um, enable you to pick passion projects now? To pick passion projects. I like the idea that I get to pick projects, which is not true. Um, I audition for anything that isn't awful. Well, well, that, wait a minute, that's not true. We're looking at Catwoman there, so I guess I do audition for some awful things too. But um, no, I am really, really lucky that I haven't had to scramble, um, you know, Family Guy, knock on wood. It's, we just, we're recording our 13th season. I'm so fucking lucky. Every day I realize how lucky I am. I, it's, 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 it doesn't happen. It's like lightning struck. And um, so I am lucky that I'm not scrambling to kind of, you know, read for every mom on a sitcom part or every, you know, sassy friend. And, you know, so it's, it's... Nosy neighbor. Do you ever go out for nosy neighbor? Nosy neighbor. Yeah, that's starting now. I'm hitting that age group. <laughs> Sassy friend is over. Now it's nosy neighbor. I'm Men- menopausal to... nosy neighbor, right? <laughs> I'm trying to break in as nosy neighbor, but it's good to know that it, even once you've broken in, Well, you in, know what? Still... When, I, when the scripts come, I'll send them your way. Thank you. You've Thank got you. it. <laughs> um, the, re- the reason I actually meant that was that you, you have segued uh, to more dramedies, I would say. Um, I was starting with Good Night and Good Luck, but also Shameless. You write for it. You've also appeared in it. And um, HBO's getting on. This is good night and good luck for you. Oh, it's my drama pictures. Did, did this feel... I know this sounds sort of uh, odd to say, but did it, did it feel more legit once you did? This was insane. This was like the weirdest coup. I can't believe it even happened. It was a, just kind of a fluke. This casting uh, woman, Ellen Chenoweth, called me in to do this. She was like the one person who didn't think that just because someone did sketch comedy, that's all they could do. She's the only casting person that believed people could do things that they haven't had opportunities to do yet and she called me in for that and the whole audition was improvised it was just kind of she called stuff out to me and I responded to her like a fucking trained dog and uh I remember walking into the audition I was totally late I had to run up these stairs on the side of the building to where it was I was completely out of shape I still am um panting like a fucking dog and I get up at the top and I'm, I'm late I'm so sorry I'm late and I turn to my right and I realize George Clooney was in the front office and it's like fuck that's not how I wanted to enter like I think my shirt button like this had popped out I had a tit out I, it was like <laughs> you usually get to an audition and you're like where's the restroom and you clean yourself up and then you meet George Clooney um, but I think that may have actually helped I think there was something about how frantic and bizarre my entrance was that helped me actually get the part that I was like, oh, give that fat chick a break. She's a mess. Give her this part. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was, that experience was astonishing. It was watching him work. He is so smart. Him and Grant Heslov, who wrote the script and were on set every day and they encouraged us to improvise a lot of things. They, we had round tables before scenes where we'd spitball ideas and it was really something else. That was a completely different experience than anything else I'd ever done. It was intimidating, too, and um, fascinating. And I got to meet Robert Downey Jr., who I'm kind of in love with, so that was fun. 
But it is, it is also just interesting to hear how um, segregated might be the wrong word that gives it too much clout, but how, how different the worlds are, comedy versus hard drama. Yes. Although the people involved on this, you know, um, God, what is his name? Tom McCarthy, who did The Station Agent, wrote, mm-hmm. who directed that? Yeah. He was in this film as well. And Tate Donovan and Grant and George Clooney, they were all Family Guy fans. So it was this thing that like all of a sudden like I'm fucking cool like these guys think I'm cool and this I had this weird window and the opportunity kind of I think grew from there that they thought it was neat that I wrote on that show and did voices on that show and was kind of welcomed into the mix because they were all writer performers and so that was kind of a neat thing that's also a great segue to the fact that you know on Family Guy you wrote for it and um, were in it same with Shameless and I just wanted to ask do you introduce yourself as a writer or performer or are you do you ever get worried that, like, if you say, I write and perform, that they're going to be like, nah, we don't want to have you on screen, we just want to have you writing, or the opposite? Yeah, that happens a lot. I started writing as a means to perform. I mean, I started, you know, I majored in rhetoric. I thought maybe I'd go into law. Then I ended up in advertising. I was writing copy for fucking Barbie doll. This it does was... not say good things about the law, that, like, you were, like, either advertising, uh, performing, or being a lawyer. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a Jew. You just were like, I guess I'll be a lawyer. I like to talk. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but, you know, I, so I wrote copy, and then I started doing improv classes at Acme Comedy Theater, and then I was in the company and writing sketches and... I had done stand-up when I was 16 and saw how immediate it could be. You write something, you get up, you do it. You mean the gratification or the sadness? Both. <laughs> the diarrhea as well. There's a lot of, you have a lot of stomach issues. Um, but it was, it was just, I realized, like, I don't, if I sit around and wait for the perfect part or to audition for something or searching through Backstage West or going to the Jewish Community Center and auditioning for working, which I did. I was the mill worker. Thank you. Mill work ain't easy, yeah. Um, and, but I realized that I could, it was quicker if I started writing stuff and trying it, that I could just do it fast. And I never would have started writing if, if it wasn't to try to just be performing, really. But then I realized it was kind of fun and I liked the power and I liked the ability to write all these different characters. And um, then it truly became kind of this dual dream. I really like, I don't like, not doing either for too long. You, you, you're acting solely hired hand, hired gun as an actor, and then you feel I have no power. I don't get to have any say in what I'm saying, and and then I want to write again. And you start writing. And they're like, oh, I wish I was the one delivering this magic. Um, Speaking of delivering magic, I'm. I just have found your show uh, HBO's getting on cathartic for anyone who's ever dealt with the medical system or is a medical professional. It's almost eerie how. Um, painfully accurate it is and it took me a few episodes to like understand how uh, funny it is because it was so painful at first yeah it is it's a little bit like a watching a car wreck with no survivors so we're gonna show a little clip of season two which is starting um, you have a clip from season two I haven't seen any of this. Um, and it's starting, what is the, the date that... Um... November 9th on HBO, 10.30. It's Sunday nights. Season two starts. I'm so excited. And you can, um, they're doing this cool thing on November 1st. You can binge watch all of season one. They're half hour episodes. There's six of them, so it's only a three hour commitment. 
and you can watch it all November 1st, so then you'll be ready for November 9th. And what is your HBO Go password for everyone who doesn't have HBO? Um, uh, shit, what is it? I think it's uh, shitlove.org. <laughs> Okay, let's let's watch um, this. Mr. Wyman, your yep. knee is healed and you are being released today. Yes, I am. That's wonderful news. I bet people call you Jimbo. No. No? All right, we are going to measure you today, okay, sir? Could you please go get the calibers? Yeah. Um, you already signed your consent. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to grab your scrotum. We're going to lift your scrotum. That's what's going to happen. Uh, the, the, okay. There you go. All right. Hold both of those like that. No, I need the calipers. Uh, the calipers. But I'm holding calipers. Okay, Marguerite, I will hold this. Go get the caliper. Oh, I'm so confused. Let's switch. All right. Okay, sir, I'm going to open your legs up a little bit. Okay. There you go. Just so you know, my name is Margaret. Can you grab this, please? Put the camera down and grab this, please. Yeah. That's perfect. Maybe, okay. Alex Borstein and HBO's getting on. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Laurie Metcalf and um, Nisi Nash are also in That it. guy was in a green Speedo while I was taking a picture of his, his groin and it was just this mess of gray pubes <laughs> hanging out the other end. And it was the first time I kind of realized, like, this is fucking aging. This is happening. <laughs> this is happening. Like, I'm going to get to a point to be in a relationship with a man who has gray pubes. I'm gonna get fucking down there and in that. That's why they call them silver foxes. They call them silver foxes? I don't know if they silver. Silver coxes. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's a great segue to um, say that I was so happy that you came in from LA. I know you were doing a phenomenal benefit for um, hemophilia. I was last night. Um, and I got two books for your kids, and I was very Aww. proud of myself because I didn't get. Um, Frozen. I'm not sure if you have enough stuff on uh, Frozen from Disney. Yeah, I, I don't know how anyone else feels about it. Are there Frozen fans here? <laughs> I gotta say, I was disappointed. I feel like Disney is, they continue to make movies that just make little girls fucking whores. <laughs> Basically. Am I, yeah, right? The, the girl, the little 15-year-old is locked up in a closet until, she, and then when she's let out, she's like, I want to get married. I want to help a guy. Like, she's just after a dude. The other chick turns into an ice prince. She gains her confidence by her, like, shirt opening and her tits out and her skirt. Her whores. I thought it was about identity. That's what I thought. Like, no. Let it go. It was no. about virginity? It is about filthy whores. And they keep doing this. They did it with, they did it with The Little Mermaid, too. I, well, this is a great... Okay, because... I met you performing. We were performing at comics, and you are a phenomenal live performer, and... We get to see you sometimes doing it live with Seth, but I was excited to see you all um, starring in your own musical performance. And I was wondering if you might. Sing Do you want for me us. to sing you a number from yeah. The Little Mermaid? Is that cool, guys? Okay. This is. You may not. You have to listen. This is. You may have missed in the lyrics that they they are making little whores of your children. So listen closely. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna sit over here so I can watch with you guys. This is called a scene change uh, for anyone just breaking into showbiz. Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? Well, sure. 
She's got everything. I've got handcuffs and dildos aplenty. I got ticklers, vibrators galore. You want Benoit beads? Shit, I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. I'm a whore. I wanna be where the good girls are. I wanna be, wanna be a prick tease. Walking around on those, what do you call them? Oh yeah, flat shoes. Spreading your legs, you don't get too far. Brains are required for thinking, adding. Not drowning the pain away with, what do you call it? Oh yeah, booze. Out in the sun and not on my back. Don't wanna live my life in the sack. Wanna be free from STDs and not your whore. What would I give if I could live out of these garters? You're filming. What would I pay to spend one day free from your jizz? Away from the biz where I ain't his, where I don't have to wear thong undies. No more hoeing. Sick of blowing and using my hand I'm ready to know what the people know Asking my questions and get some answers Like, what's that doctor and why does it fucking burn? When's it my turn? Wouldn't I run? If I could have a job and not give streets ah, won't hurt when I pee no longer your That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Alex Borstein. Thank you to Ian Mazoff and Josh Rogerson. Thanks to Joe's Pub and everyone who works on the show and all of you for listening. It is such a joy to do, and I look forward to talking to you next week. These episodes are coming live every Wednesday, so subscribe on iTunes. I'll talk to you soon. Oh.